This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you who have tuned in today. Today on our telecast, we're going to be discussing this topic, that they all may be one. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that subject today. There's so much confusion in the religious world today with so many varying teachings and different organizations wearing different names, teaching differing doctrines. I've had many people ask me, Brother Lambert, is it possible for us all to be united? Is it possible to know what one should do? We want to talk about that today under the topic that they all may be one. Stay tuned. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. And you say, well, why are you doing that, preacher? We're doing that so that you can get to know the Bible better. We want people to get to know the Word of God. And so we're not asking you to send money. We're, we're, this is absolutely free. And we want to make it possible for you to have it free of charge today and that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. These words from John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, are a part of a prayer that Jesus prayed to his Father in heaven. And in it, Jesus prays for unity of believers. And there is a reason that he states, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I am convinced that one of the contributing factors, maybe not the only one, but one of them, to to the infidelity of our world is the religious division that exists in our world. Many people see all of the confusion, the division uh, that exists, and the party spirit that exists between religious organizations. And they throw up their hands as if to say, I don't know what to believe because they all teach different things. That's the reason Jesus prayed that we would be united, that the world might believe. And in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, Paul asked the question, is Christ divided? 
And the answer, of course, is no. Christ is not divided. And it is possible for us to have unity. You see, God is not the author of confusion, but God is the author of peace, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. And the unity for which our Lord prayed was not unity in diversity. He was praying for the kind of unity that existed between He and the Father. And He's praying for the kind of unity that Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, where he said that we should speak the same things, that there should be no divisions among us. So unity it was on the heart of the Son of God. But what is it that causes division? If unity is to be desired, why are we divided? It is not what the Bible teaches that divides us. It is what the Bible does not teach. It is the doctrines, the ideas, and the opinions of men that cause the division. The Bible unites. You see, Paul in Philippians 3, uh, 16 said, we're to walk by the same rule. Now, if we all walk by the same rule and we take the Bible as our rule book, well, then we will all be teaching the same thing and we will have unity. But, but upon what can we unite? Well, let me ask a question. How is it possible for two teams to play a game of football. How is that possible? Does each team have their own set of rules? Do they interpret those rules as they see fit? Do they reason like this, you see it your way, and I see it my way? Of course not. For two teams to play the game of football, they have to submit to the same set of rules. And when the rules are violated, there's going to be a penalty. And there is only one way for there to be real unity, our believers. We must submit to the rule book. And that rule book is called the Bible. Unity comes by submission to authority. Now just suppose that you saw a house that you like and you want to build one just like it in every detail. How could you do that? As a matter of fact, the, the home in which my, my wife and I live uh, was built by a couple number of years back, and then we purchased that home from them after it was about three years old. And the people who had originally built the house decided they wanted to build that same house in every detail in another location. And I could t not tell you how many times they came back to our house and and they'll bring the contractor back that had built the house in which we live, who was building the house where uh, that, that they were in another location. And they would have him look at certain details in the house, and they wanted it exactly like the house that they were now building. 
The only way you can do that is to get the blueprint for the house that you like, the one that you saw, and then you get someone to follow that blueprint in every detail. That's how you'd have two houses just alike. You'd have to submit to the blueprint. Now, now suppose you were to study the Bible for the first time in your life. And as you study the Bible for the very first time in your life, you read it and you come across the concept in it that there is a church described in the Bible. Could I ask you a question? How could you reproduce that which is in the Bible in the world today? You study in the Bible and you see that the church was prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus promised that he was going to build it in Matthew 16. And then when you come to the second chapter of Acts, the, the church had its beginning on the first Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And you learn that Peter preached about Jesus on that occasion and, and the people asked him what they must do to be saved and he told them what to do to be saved, that is to repent and to be baptized for the remission of their sins. That's what he told them. And then about 3,000 of them were baptized and the Bible just says they were added to the church in verse 47 of Acts 2. So you read that for the very first time. And you say, well, I like that. And I'd like to be today what they were then. That's all. Let me ask you a question. How could you reproduce what you find in the Bible in the 21st century? Well, you say, well, I guess it'd be like building a house, wouldn't it? You'd just have to follow the pattern. You'd have to get the blueprint. Now, that's exactly right. You see, authority is the key to unity. That is, submission to authority. There are some passages in the book of Matthew, in chapter 21, beginning in verse 23, that I'd like to read to you. Matthew chapter uh, 21 and verse 23 beginning. And when he came into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Now that's fair enough, isn't it? And this is Jesus' statement in verse 25. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? So Jesus wanted them to answer, the baptism of John, is it from heaven or from men? Now see, they had asked Jesus to tell them by what authority he was doing these things and who gave him that authority. He said, well, I'll, I'll answer your question if you'll answer mine. And my question is, the baptism of John, from, where was it from? Was it from heaven? Did it have divine authority behind it? Or was it from men? Did it have human authority behind it? And so they reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven... He will say to us, why then did you not believe him? And if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. Now, they were in a bind, weren't they? They, 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 they had a difficult, uh, difficulty on their hands. 
Jesus had asked them about John's baptism. Was it from heaven or from men? And they said now, they had this business meeting. And they said, now, you know, if we say that John's baptism is from heaven, that is, it has the authority of heaven behind it, well, then he'll want to know why we didn't submit to John's baptism. And then if we say it's from men, we're going to get people upset with us because the people consider John as being a prophet. So here's their answer in verse 27. We do not know. We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. You know, this underscores, I think, a, a, a great principle. Heaven's authority is important. Heaven's authority unites. Man's authority divides. Listen to it again. John's baptism, from heaven or from men? How can I decide what I am to do in matters of a, of a spiritual nature? How, how can I decide what I'm to do in things that determine my eternal destiny? Am, am, am I going to decide that by, by my opinion? Somebody says, well now, I think or as Naaman said in the Old Testament when he was told to go dip in the River Jordan seven times, he said, Behold, I thought, am I going to determine what I'm to do in matters of a spiritual nature by the consensus of the majority? You say, Well, everybody sees it this way. Am I going to decide what I'm to do in matters of a spiritual nature that determine my eternal destiny by tradition? Well, you know, we've always done it this way. And we've always been looking at it like this. This is the way we've done it for a hundred years. Am I going to determine and decide what I'm to do in matters of a spiritual nature by, by what the church is teaching? Suppose the church is not teaching what the Bible teaches. Or am I going to use what some man says? to determine what I do in matters of a spiritual nature and things that, that will determine my eternal destiny. Paul said we're not to think of man above that which is written. I'm to think more about what is written in the Word of God than I am some man. I want a man to stand before me with a Bible in his hand and I want him to tell me this is what God says. I like Micaiah's statement over in, in the book of 1 Kings when he said in chapter 22 and verse 14, whatever the Lord speaks to me, that's what I'm going to say. And whatever God says in this book, that's what I'm going to teach. You see... The way I decide what I'm to do in matters that pertain to my soul's salvation is to appeal to the Word of God as my final authority. That's the, uh, that's the key to unity. 
when we submit to the authority of God's Word. Isaiah 8 and 20 says to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this Word, there, there is no light in them. Friends, a failure to be governed by God's will, that is the Bible, will plunge one into moral, ethical, and spiritual darkness and confusion. Maybe that's the reason our world is so spiritually dark. Maybe that's the reason we're having problems in our homes today. Maybe that's the reason that governments are in turmoil today. That we no longer consult the Word of God. When it gets down to me personally, my eternal destiny depends upon my submission to the authority of the Word of the living God. Let me tell you how serious this is. Let, let me read a verse to you from the, from the New Testament. I'm reading to you from the book of 2 John, and it's verse 9 in the book of 2 John. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. You know, that's a pretty heavy statement, isn't it? Let me read it again. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. A failure to submit to the authority of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ is to forfeit my relationship with God. But let me continue to read. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So when we abide by the doctrine of Jesus Christ, we submit to His Word, then we are in a relationship with the Father and with the Son. How can we have unity? How can we be in a right relationship with God? There must be submission to authority. Just suppose, for the sake of our lesson today, let's just suppose some things. Just suppose that all men began to teach the same thing about Jesus Christ being God's Son. Just suppose that. Just suppose that all of the seven plus billion people in our world began to believe in Jesus and they began to teach the same thing about Jesus as God's Son. Matthew 16 and 16, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was upon that confession of faith in Jesus Christ, upon that bedrock truth, that Jesus Christ built the church. Just suppose that. Just suppose that all men begin to teach that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It is. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3.16. But just suppose all men begin to teach that. Just suppose that all men begin to believe in Jesus, all men begin to teach the Bible is the Word of God. 
And just suppose that all men everywhere began to teach that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. Now we're just supposing. Just suppose all men began to teach the same thing about Jesus, that is God's Son. Just suppose that all men began to teach the Bible is the Word of God. And just suppose that all men began to teach that Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And just suppose that all men began to wear a name that you can find in the Bible. The Bible t- says in Acts eleven twenty six that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. But just suppose that all men began to observe the Lord's Supper every first day of the week according to Acts 20 verse 7. Just suppose that now. And just suppose that men began to sing and make melody in their hearts in keeping with Ephesians 5.19 with the exclusion of a mechanical instrument in, uh, uh, in their worship. Because there, there is a, an instrument involved in that passage and it is the heart of man. We're to make melody in the heart. But now just suppose that all men sought to follow the teaching of Jesus without addition and without subtraction. What would result? The result would be unity. Now let's back up. Let's think again. Just suppose that all men began to teach the same thing about Jesus. They began to teach that the Bible is the Word of God. They began to teach that he that believes and is baptized will be saved, Mark 16, 16. That they began to wear a name that you can find in the Bible. One of those names is the name Christian. And just suppose they began to observe the Lord's Supper on the first day of every week. And they began, in their worship they would sing and they would make melody in their hearts to the Lord. And just suppose that men would begin to follow the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ without addition, without subtraction. What would be the result? The result would be unity of believers. And that's the way that we can answer that prayer of Jesus here in John chapter 17. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I realize that we all have different backgrounds. I realize that all of us have different opportunities. I realize that all of us live in different places of the world. We have so many things that, that are not in common, and yet we have so many things that are in common. And I want to appeal to you today to take your Bible and to use the Bible and the Bible alone as the standard by which you will go 
in making decisions for your soul's destiny in matters of a spiritual nature. When you study the Bible, you will learn that to be a Christian, you must believe in Jesus, John 8, 24. That you must repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. That you're to confess your faith in Jesus, Matthew 10, 32, 33. And that you're to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38, Galatians 3.27. And that you will be added to the church by the Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians 1.13, 1 Corinthians 12.13, Acts 2.47, Ephesians 5.23. Those verses show the saved are in the church, the kingdom of God. And that you're to live a faithful Christian life. Jesus will say on the day of judgment to those that are His, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. I want to urge you to become a Christian the Bible way. And we can all go by the Word of God. We can all see the Bible alike. We can all believe the same thing if we will study the Bible without prejudice, without bias, we'll study it with an open mind, there can be unity of believers. I want to thank you so much for your kindness today and watching Getting to Know Your Bible. And in the closing moments, may I urge you and invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And you will find people who are endeavoring to the very best of their ability to follow the New Testament, to go by the Word of God. They're not trying to be something other than what the Bible teaches. They're not trying to be some other kind of denomination. They're trying to be just what they read about in the New Testament, God's people united on His Word, we're just the church. We want you to visit with us at your earliest convenience. And also my, may I encourage you to, to call for the free Bible correspondence course. Please don't hesitate about doing that. It could be the single most important thing that you've ever done for yourself. I read letters every week from people who are taking the Bible course and so many of them are thanking us for making this course available because they have been enlightened about what God would have them to do to, to live for Him, to be prepared for eternity, and live the joyful, abundant life now in this world. We want you to have that course. Thousands of people all over the world are studying this Bible correspondence course. We want you to have it today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to 
Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.